This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. The question is, are you is the drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. All I could think about last night was Chris Paul's story, where since leaving Wake Forest, think about this, nobody had worse luck than Chris Paul for the last 15 years. Injuries, the nullified trade, Hurricane Katrina, you name it. And that includes testing positive for covid right before the Western Conference Finals, while being fully vaccinated. Nobody has had worse luck. Yet despite that, while watching from his couch, CP3 drew within two wins from his first ever NBA Finals. But as much as I'd like to spin this to make it about Chris and talk about the Deeks and all that, last night was about the Clippers. They're down 2-0 again. And I already see the talking heads dismissing that. Well, they've been in this position before. Things are going to change when they get on their home floor. Kawhi Leonard, he could come back, blah, blah, blah. Much like the election board in Arizona back in November, I'm going to call this one early. The Clips needed to win that one last night because Phoenix is not the team who blows a two-zip lead. They were dominant all throughout the regular season. This is not the Dallas Mavericks who are inexperienced or Utah without Mike Conley. This is a different animal. And here's what makes it worse for L.A. They should have won that game last night. Three absolutely unforgivable mistakes made in the final 10 seconds. I'm sure you could find a lot of other mistakes, but I'm just going to narrow this to the final 10 seconds Three unforgivable mistakes made by the Clippers. Number one, Paul George missing the free throws. I get it. Ball don't lie. Ball don't lie! You had the out-of-bounds review. It was strange. It was kind of stupid that Scott Foster was looking at that. But then you get the basketball, and with eight seconds left, it's PG going to the line. You've got to bury both of those. Or at worst, hit one out of two, so that way two doesn't beat you. It just ties you to force overtime. So that's number one. Number two, Ty Lu adamantly wanting the out-of-bounds call after the initial miss to be reviewed. I think it was Bridges who attempted the corner three on the far side, it gets deflected out of bounds with less than a second remaining, and Ty Lue decided to get greedy. They already overturned one review. Let's try to look for more. In that spot, I don't think you can do that because Phoenix did not have any timeouts. So if you don't force the issue wanting a review in that spot, Phoenix doesn't get time to draw out a perfect out-of-bounds play, a perfect inbounds play for DeAndre Ayton to win the game, which leads to the third and, I would argue, biggest mistake that the Clippers made last night. DeMarcus Cousins' defensive positioning. You had to have Cousins on the ball. And to Ty Lue's credit, 
That's exactly what happened. Jay Crowder's inbounding. You've got DeMarcus Cousins on the ball. Why the bleep is Cousins, though, angling his body to protect the short corner? When you go back and look at it, and I encourage you to do this, why isn't DeMarcus Cousins positioned in between Crowder and the basket? It should be his primary mission to make sure in a one-point game they're not able to get a clean pass to the rim and have DeAndre Ayton throw it down that way. I'd be more happy giving the pass to the corner because, again, it's a one-point game. A two wins it. If you want to take the three, take the three in the corner. Hopefully somebody will be there to run and alter the shot. But there's no excuse for Cousins to not be in between Crowder in the basket. Look where he's positioned. It was an absolutely abysmal mistake. Those three things that the Clippers did in the final 10 seconds are so inexcusable, and I don't think they can get back into this series because Phoenix is not going to play that poorly again. They did not play well. 23% from three. How often do we hear it in the NBA today? If you want to win, you got to hit the three-point shot. They didn't. I think they were 6 of 26. 23% from three. Devin Booker, their best player without CP3 out there. 5 of 16 for 20 points. They need to steal at least one game in Phoenix. We know that this was the one. We talked about it yesterday. It's why I said I thought the Clippers were going to win. Because the urgency had to be there. I, I know they've come back from 2-0 series deficits. This is not the one to come back from. That was the one to get. Phoenix is not going to play that poorly again. And Chris Paul, according to all the reports I'm seeing out there, he's coming back soon. It seems like he's going to be there for Game 3. Kawhi status, it's a little bit more up in the air. When Chris returns, I don't know if the Clippers are going to win another game. It looks like it's going to be CP3 in Game 3. He is the greatest Clipper ever as far as I'm concerned. They love him in that building. It's a great break that you're getting the Clippers and not the Utah Jazz, in my opinion. And I still feel Chris is more valuable to this Phoenix team, despite the fact Phoenix is up two games to nothing, than Kawhi is to L.A. So I think the Suns, I can call it now. They're going to win this series. It's going to be in either four or five games. Suns in four, am I right? Robert Walsh is the producer of this show. We've got intern Cole in the house, 336-777-1600. If you had thoughts on that crazy game last night on Twitter at WSJS Sports, that's not the only quick series I like. The Eastern Conference Finals start tonight, and I don't think this is going to be a long series either. I don't see this being six or seven games. I think the fun's over in Atlanta, or it's going to be. Intern Cole is a huge Bucks fan, so I'm sure he's going to be happy to hear this. This series has Milwaukee and five written all over it. In the Eastern Conference, if you followed basketball during the regular season, it was pretty obvious there was a gap between the top three teams in the East and everybody else. And just because more people are paying attention in the playoffs, great ratings, by the way, the last week for these NBA Game 6s and 7s and even this uh, these opening games for the conference finals on the Western side, In the East, the gap has been there. And I don't think it changes that much 
when you get to the postseason. So why is Atlanta in the conference finals? They drew the most vulnerable of the top three. Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Philadelphia is the most vulnerable because of Embiid's injury, because of Danny Green's injury, because of Ben Simmons, whatever's going on in between the ears there, their past track record. They're the most vulnerable of the three. And they caught them at the right time. They still probably should not have won that series. If not for an epic collapse in Game 5 and Ben Simmons not wanting to dunk a wide-open basketball in Game 7. There's a gap between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks. Think about it this way. What does Atlanta do better than Milwaukee? Can we identify one thing? Is there anything you're convinced Atlanta does better than the Bucks do? Shooting the basketball. Oh, well, they got Trey Young and Milwaukee has Giannis. They must be better at shooting, right? Milwaukee was the best three-point shooting team in the regular season. Defensively, it's Giannis, it's Drew Holiday. I don't think Chris Middleton gets nearly enough credit. Milwaukee has three of the four best players in this series. I'd argue the top two. Chris Middleton, an all-star. Trey Young, I don't think he made the all-star team this year. Milwaukee has three of the top four guys in this series. Holiday, Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Atlanta with Trey Young. But it mostly comes down to this. Milwaukee is long overdue while Atlanta has far overachieved. That's what's happened here. Atlanta has overachieved. Milwaukee has been overdue. Last year, losing in five to Milwaukee, that was an embarrassment, or uh, to Miami, that was an embarrassment in the bubble. The previous year, Robert, I have this right. They were in the conference finals against your Toronto Raptors. I see you're wearing your Toronto Raptors gear. Actually, this is a SummerSlam shirt that happened in Toronto. But yeah, they did lose to the Raptors. How are you feeling about the draft lottery? I think it's fun. I think it uh, it's good because they ended up with the fourth pick, and I feel like the top talent ends at four. So I feel like they're going to get a dude that can make a difference. I think it's probably going to be Suggs there because... Cleveland has all these guards. I would be tickled with that. That would be great. I feel like Jaylen it's going to be Suggs or Green, one yeah. of the two. Well, it feels like that's the case. I, I think they're going to go Green three, and it's probably going to be Suggs at four. But we'll have plenty of time to talk about the draft in the future. Milwaukee was in the conference finals two years ago. Last year, they got upset. You have a couple of MVPs from Giannis. He's 26. It's time for him to get to the finals. I think that was the same age that LeBron James ended up winning his first finals. He was either 26 or 27 years old. It's about time for Giannis. On the other end for Atlanta, they're just happy to be here. They were expecting to be here. They were one of the teams last year that didn't make the playoffs. They were one of the eight that wasn't even invited to the bubble along with the Charlotte Hornets. And here they are. They're they're just happy to be here. Trey Young, he's never been on this type of stage before. In Game 7, he hit some key shots late. I like his confidence, but let's not forget, he was bad for most of that game. Giannis, he is the superior star to any star left standing in this series. Maybe Kawhi would have something to say about that when he's healthy for the, healthy for the Clippers. But uh, Milwaukee's long overdue. Atlanta has overachieved. The fun is over in the ATL. This is going to be a quick series in favor of the Bucks. So I like... 
Phoenix in four or five, and I like the Bucks in five games. As fun as the second round of the playoffs were, I don't think the conference finals are going to be all that dramatic. But last night was a lot of fun, though. Coming up, speaking of the draft lottery, something last night happened that I think is going to turn the scales when it comes to a Ben Simmons trade. Something happened last night that I think is going to impact a Ben Simmons trade. And also, I'll tell you why I will take full responsibility for Virginia's collapse in Omaha last night. That's all coming up next on The Drive. Fellas, what's cracking? What's cracking? The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. The draft lottery was a lot of fun last night. Predictably, the Hornets got the number 11 pick. But unpredictably, the T-Wolves didn't get a top four pick. Which means their number seven overall pick goes to Golden State as part of the Andrew Wiggins trade. Golden State now has two lottery picks, which I think gives Bob Myers the opportunity to be aggressive this offseason. I expect them to shoot their shot for Bradley Beal, but don't think the whiz is really going to bite on that. But once that attempt fails, I see Ben Simmons becoming the Warriors' top trade target, and I'm struggling to come up with another trade that makes as much sense, another trade partner that makes as much sense for Philadelphia and also for Golden State. I think it makes a ton of sense for Simmons to end up out on the bay. A couple days ago, when we talked about this, Golden State made some sense for the Warriors, but didn't make a lot of sense for Philadelphia. James Wiseman is their best trade tool, their best trade asset. I don't know if Philadelphia is that interested in pairing Wiseman with Joel Embiid and rebuilding that type of way. Now they have something that Philly wants. Two lottery picks, number seven and number 14. They caught a break last night. And what I also found interesting, Robert, Woj is one of those reporters that you have to dissect what he's saying to try and detect any nuggets he's trying to give you. You got to read in between his words sometimes because he knows a lot more than maybe he can report when he's on television. Adam Schefter is another one of those guys. Multiple times before the lottery was announced or the draft order was announced, he said he was hearing from multiple sources that there are teams in the lottery that are interested in giving up their draft picks to bring in a current all-star. Trading away their draft picks this year to bring in an all-star, and I think he gave away the game when he referred to casually a few minutes later, oh, I was talking about, I was talking to Bob Myers earlier today. I was talking to Bob Myers about uh, the idea of getting multiple draft picks. He thinks that would be something that really helps him. And all I could think is, oh, Woj is talking about the Warriors. Bob Myers is telling Woj they're going to go after an all-star, whether that be Bradley Beal or Ben Simmons. I don't think they'll be able to get Beal So Simmons makes the most sense. If I had to guess where Simmons is going to end up, I'd say it's Golden State. 
And this is what the trade would be. I think it would be Andrew Wiggins, because you have to make the salaries match up, and the two first-round picks in exchange for Ben Simmons. Who says no in that circumstance? 336-777-1600. Because whenever you're talking about a deal, Robert, or a negotiation, you have to look at the stocks, right? You love the stock market. And whenever you're looking at the stock market, you got to see what's trending upward and what's trending downward, and that's going to impact what your decision ultimately is. In the past season, Wiggins' stock went up. Maybe not considerably, but consider this. Wiggins had career highs in field goal percentage and three-point shooting percentage this year. Ben Simmons, his stock might be at an all-time low right now. I don't know if Daryl Morey is going to allow it to be 50 cents on the dollar to get Ben Simmons. That might be a bit dramatic. I think he has higher trade value than that. But Wiggins' stock went up. Simmons went down considerably. So I think this deal maybe doesn't make sense if we're talking about it a few months ago. But right now, it makes all the sense in the world because of two things. Those stock differences in the last few months and also the Warriors gaining a second lottery pick. So if that's the trade, I don't know who says no here. Wiggins and two first, those two lottery picks this year, in exchange for Ben Simmons. And what would it look like if Ben Simmons was on the Warriors? They'd be better, right? You're going to get Klay Thompson back this year. That's already a massive plus. And if you're concerned about, oh, what's he going to look like coming off an ACL? Look what Kevin Durant did a little bit older than Clay Thompson. He was dealing with the Achilles versus an ACL tear. So <laughs> I think Clay Thompson's going to be fine. Steph Curry, his game's going to age like fine wine. Draymond Greens, eh, I don't really know. But Simmons seems like he would perfectly complement Steph and Clay. Not going to take away any shots. He can run the point if he has to. Great slasher, could score an attack. Defenses always have to keep a really close eye on him. The biggest question for me is how he would pair with Draymond in the post because I have a feeling they'd use him as a point forward type, probably run him at the four while Draymond is a small ball center at five, go a little bit positionless basketball. I trust Steve Kerr to make it work. Just like some were concerned, how's KD going to coexist with Clay and Steph? And it turned out it wasn't a problem. I don't think it's going to be an issue with Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, they're all incredibly smart. They're going to find a way to make it work with Ben Simmons in a perfect system. So I think this works out best for both sides. You can get a couple more picks, maybe get a few more shooters. You can surround around Joel Embiid if you're the Sixers. You get Andrew Wiggins, who's only 26 years old. He's going to add a little bit more scoring and athleticism. Maybe not more athleticism because you're losing Ben Simmons, but I think that's a pretty good deal you can get. The Warriors are going to pursue Ben Simmons. That's where I think he's going to go. Robert, I had an embarrassing uh, exchange with my soon-to-be father-in-law last night. Would you love to hear this story? Uh, I'll pass, man. You'll pass on that? Yeah. What you, what, what you want to talk about? What you have for dinner tonight? Uh, I guess we'll do that later. I've got uh, I've got dinner plans tonight, tomorrow, and Friday. Three consecutive days. Appreciate you asking. 
we're going to do weekly positivity in about 10 minutes. That's something to be positive about. The College World Series, though. Did you see what happened with Virginia? A big collapse, right? Ugh. So, my fiance went to Virginia. Loves Virginia, but she's not very emotional attack, emotionally attached to the sports teams. Her parents are, and particularly her dad. And last night, I saw David Teal tweet. I'm trying to watch a couple things at one time. And I didn't realize until going into the eighth that not only was Virginia winning four to nothing, I knew that piece, the pitcher was throwing a no-hitter. And David Teal spelled it out on Twitter. Hey, it could be the third no-hitter in College World Series history. Going into the eighth, they're up four runs. Hey, this this Virginia has this great coach, and they've been here before. They've been waxing people in, in Omaha. I, I didn't really feel concerned about the who's at all. And they're facing Mississippi State. Pretty darn good. They could score in a heartbeat. Great crowd that they had in Omaha. So last night, <laughs> I text uh, my soon-to-be father-in-law. This is the exchange, and I am still mortified about this, but uh, I'll still share it with you guys. I said, I won't say anything else about this pitching performance other than it's impressive, and let's hope that it continues. And he responded with, let's don't jinx this. <laughs> I, I didn't bring up. I didn't say the words no hitter. Okay, I, Robert, I don't know if you're superstitious at all, but in baseball, you don't talk about a no-hitter. I subscribe to that just because I don't want to be a jerk. If some people are superstitious, eh, don't be a jerk around those people. So that's, that's me. I don't know if I believe it, but I participate in it. You don't talk about no-hitters as it's happening. I remember one time I was kicked out of a press box because I decided to take a seat in a different room while somebody had a no-hitter in the seventh inning and I was eating popcorn, first batter gives up a hit, and then somebody yells at me, get the hell out of the press box. That's that's happened to me before. So immediately after I start texting my huge Virginia fan, soon-to-be father-in-law, two-run home run first hit. <laughs> and it's four to two. So then I'm trying to do some damage control here, Robert. I say, let's just get the win. That's all that matters here. His response, Josh, you better not jinx them. And then Mississippi State gets two runners on base. There's two outs in the inning, and they hit another home run to go up five to four. And then they score another run. It's six to four. And I am absolutely terrified. I'm like, oh my gosh. I, you know, just trying to connect and bond with my future father-in-law here. And everything's going terribly. Uh, I don't get a text back because then Virginia loses. So I just, I just say, I don't think they're through yet. And everything turned out to be okay. But do you buy in sports jinxes at all? Uh, somewhat with you, I do. Uh, I think you have like a sixty percent jinx going on. Sixty percent jinx. I mean, what like you were like mean? Carolina. There's no way they're gonna lose this bowl game. They're gonna trump. <laughs> and you're like, I know the rules. You're like, I know the rules of no hitter. But so you're still like impressive pitching performance, right? 
that you don't mention the no-hitter. I know, so but they're still mentioning to... it no, by it's saying not. it's an impressive pitching performance. Does that count? Yes, as it counts. bringing it up. It, yes. It's cuz the broadcasters are cagey. They say, "Well, this guy has a zero in a very specific category." That's not saying You just shouldn't bring it up. And then you were like, but, "Okay, I'm going to double down." It's like, "Oh, it's okay. They they're still we got to get the win." And then it's like, "Okay, I'm going to double down on my jinx." And then jinx it that way. Uh it is all your fault. I, I feel terrible. I really feel terrible about it. I, if to make matters worse, <laughs> I have notes here. I, I was so confident in a Virginia win. I've, I started taking notes about an NC State Virginia World Series final. Oh, it'll be the second all ACC national championship matchup for the conference. Eh, very similar starts to the year. That's what, why it, it got this jinxed. Year. Because you went ahead and wrote your T's. When you went ahead and wrote that stuff before it was a thing. That was another jinx. It's a triple jinx. You triple jinxed them. I'm sorry, Virginia. Very, very sorry. The main event in Charlotte this September at Bank of America Stadium turns out not the Carolina Panthers. I'll tell you who it is next on The Drive. This is The Drive with Josh Graham. Give it to me straight, Chief. Here we go. Isn't anyone going to say what we all better be thinking? On WSJS Sports. Now that minicamp's over, how jacked do you think Matt Rule is to watch that Dave Matthews band show? Oh, almost as pumped as you are to get to Red Rocks. Couple more weeks, Robert. How many days? We're looking at... 16 days. 44 hours. 16 <laughs> days away till I'm um, watching the Abbott Brothers uh, at Red Rocks. Really excited about that. Speaking of Matt Rule and of music acts, who would think that in September at Bank of America Stadium, the biggest show is not a football game? This year, for example, you've got. Georgia facing Clemson the week before the Panthers open up with the New York Jets. Well, in 2022, on a Sunday night, so this is while the Panthers are going to be on the road, we assume, somewhere, September the 18th of 2022, Elton John is going to be performing at Bank of America Stadium. How old is Elton John? How old do we think Elton is if his first hit came out Circa 1969, 1970, I'd probably think he is 68, maybe 70 years old. He's 74. 74 years old, which means he's going to be 75, possibly 76 the next time or when he performs this show in Charlotte. He was born in March, so he'll still be 74. Okay. Well, he'll be 75 next September. September 18th, 2022, Elton John's going to be performing. Now, I've maybe talked about this before, and we'll get to weekly positivity in a few minutes, but one of my greatest regrets was not going to Red Rocks when I lived in Colorado years ago, and I was offered tickets to go see Bob Dylan. I turned it down because a friend of mine said, if you go see Dylan, you're going to regret it. It's going to ruin the way you think about Dylan because Dylan is long past the age he can sing properly. As if Bob Dylan 
is somebody you're going to see for lyrical performance anyway. I listened to that advice. I didn't go to Red Rocks. I didn't see Bob Dylan. Even for just the experience of saying, I went to go see Bob Dylan, I think it's worth the ticket, especially when you're being given the ticket for free. One of my greatest regrets. The person who gave me that advice, no longer a friend of mine. Elton John, I think, falls into the category of, yeah, the songs are iconic, but the ticket's going to be expensive, and he's not singing in the same key he used to sing in. I'm sure it still sounds fine, but if he's going to be singing Rocket Man, he's going to be singing it in a much different way than you knew Rocket Man to be, or what you've always grew up with Rocket Man being. And this is... The, these are among the final tour dates on his Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour across North America and Europe. So it does seem like it's 74 years old, next year 75. This is going to be your last chance to see Elton John. Robert, how much interest do you have? Uh, it depends how much the tickets are. Let's say... If I had free tickets, I would go. Let's sure. say the cheapest ticket you could find at Bank of America Stadium, you're sitting in the upper deck for 75 80 bucks. Okay, yeah, for sure. But I, I, I don't think it's going to be like that. Really? At a football stadium with 75,000 people? I don't know. J. Cole just announced his tour, and the nosebleeds, like the highest up you can go. You're looking at Greensboro? Uh, no, in Orlando, because Greensboro is on a Tuesday, and I'm sure you're going to make me work the next day. So, uh, Orlando. <laughs> you can is, take off if you want to. Orlando's in the nosebleeds, and it was 121 bucks for right. as high as it goes. Is that at Camping World, or is yeah, that at uh, the Orlando Magic Arena? Uh, I think it's Camping World, but in Greensboro, it was also like 140 bucks. Well, but that wasn't the presale. Game. You saw you saw WrestleMania at that stadium in Orlando, right? Yeah, and the tickets were a lot more than 120 bucks. Were you sitting in the upper deck? Yes. Wow. Okay. So how about I just make it flatly a hundred bucks? Sure. I mean, I would I would be interested in that. Yeah, I think I would draw the line at like a hundred and fifty bucks. I could see that. I could see that. Anything I, over that, I'm probably gonna not go. Three three six seven 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 one six hundred. Where do you stand on Elton John performing at Bank of America Stadium? Intern Cole, do you know who Elton John is? Yeah, of course. Oh yeah, he's the yeah. guy from the Rocket Man movie. Yeah. I also think if like Elton John stinks, it's not going to matter so much because he's going to be playing all the songs that everybody already knows. So and like, he still could play the piano. And the yeah, he's going to play Benny great. and the Jets, and like everybody's going to sing for him essentially. You know what I mean? Like the, the whole crowd is going to be singing Benny and the Jets Gosh. and Rocket Man and uh, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Like they're going to sing all Elton John songs. Yeah, Daniel's one of my favorite Elton John songs, but Elton's like one of the iconic artists where. His most popular songs, probably my favorite, your song, is my favorite Elton John song. That's me and my mom's song. It's not It's not a popular thing to do, to pick the you know most noteworthy, hey, it's his first hit. Oh, that's also my favorite Elton John song. Like Nobody likes the guy who says, oh yeah, my favorite Beatles song is Let It Be. Cool, bro. Is your favorite Bruce Springsteen song, Born in the USA? I don't know, but if you're also the person that's like, oh, this is my favorite so-and-so song, I probably already don't want to have a conversation with you. If you brought that up to me unbroached, you're like, you're like oh, I'm a, okay, cool. Like, what? Why, why the hell do I care what your favorite U2 song is? I really do hope they have a Panthers game earlier that day at the stadium. So that way you get a Panthers game at 1 o'clock and then 
you've got Elton John performing later on that night. That'd be quite a day in the stadium. Never going to happen, but that would be a lot of fun. Let's get into weekly positivity for this week. 336-777-1600. Eh, just call in and tell us something good that's happened thus far this week on this hump day. Oh, yeah. Intern Cole looks like he doesn't know what's happening right now. And if you don't know what's happening, it's just an opportunity each week for me to tell you something that's good and weekly positivity. And let me start here. Robert, big plans next month. Uh, what you got going on, dude? How would you prioritize these three things in order? I've got trip to Myrtle Beach for a weekend, a trip to Colorado, where guess what? I'm going to go to Red Rocks. Did you know that? And I'm also going to ACC kickoff in Charlotte. We're a month away from that. Get to talk to all the ACC coaches and players. And yesterday I learned the Orioles have invited me and my dad to go to a game with, uh, to see the O's play the Nationals at the end of July. How would you rank those in order? Yeah, that's tough. Myrtle Beach, Colorado, ACC kickoff, Orioles game with your dad. I don't know. I'd probably have to put them all one, dude. You're just living such a blessed life. That seems like such a nice getaway. Hashtag blessed. Let's go to Tyler in Greensboro. Tyler in Greensboro, tell me something good. All right, yeah, I got some uh, some good news. I was let go from my job a few months ago by no fault of my own, but I decided to just keep working and keep my head down. I got involved in the stock market. And as of last week, I've made my entire year's worth of salary from last year in the past two months. Wow. So I'm very thankful. That's pretty cool, Tyler. So were you always interested in stocks? Um, interestingly enough, man, my grandfather uh, made a, a good amount of money in stocks. So when I was young, like seven, eight years old, he used to sit me down and teach me how to chart and do stuff like that. And I never cared until January when the, uh, the AMC and the GameStop stuff piqued my interest. So that's when I got back into it. Robert? Does this make it feel like you should be doing something different than what you're doing right now? Uh, nah, I'm not really in the uh, the gambling stocks like the AMC or the GME, but I mean, that's great. I don't have the money to uh, put into those, but that, what they say within investing is you never want to put in money that you're not willing to lose. So I'm glad that you got to rebound and that's dope that you got to realize some of those gains, dude. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Well, y'all have a good day. Same to you, Tyler. Appreciate you listening. Intern Cole, tell me something good. Go with a happy birthday to Sonic the Hedgehog. Turned 30 years old. Sonic today. is turning the big 3-0. The big 3-0. He's the same age as Robert's favorite human, Bo Burnham. They're both 30. I don't know he's my favorite human. He's pretty cool. I'd probably put him in the top four or five. Wow. I'll tell you something good. I started volunteering at my church in Winston-Salem. And I, they asked me what I wanted to do with the, this kid's ministry I was working with. 
and I just guess like a random group, hey, I'll work with the four and five year olds. And that turns out to be like the best group to work with kids, right? Like if they're like middle school age, Robert, probably not gonna be as pleasant. But I talked to my mom, she's like, oh yeah, I had three of you. And when you were four and five, that was the best age because you could absorb information and you're always so willing to help and you're still kind of friendly and you're not lazy. Four and five year olds, shout out to you. That's a lot of fun. Robert Walsh, tell me something good to close things out. Weekly positivity. It is Wednesday and we are two days away from the weekend. And that's been Weekly Positivity. I hope you're not learning and taking notes from Robert. Robert not prepared at all for weekly positivity. Oh yeah, we're a couple days from Friday, Cole. Showing a great example for Cole, Robert. When I asked him what he was, I was like, oh, we got weekly positivity day, so I have some stuff. He was like, well, it's Wednesday, halfway to the weekend. <laughs> and I, he would not give that yeah. to you, but and he's I probably, would. And Robert was probably like, that's not a good one. That's no. terrible. <laughs> that's awful. And then Robert stole the line from Cole. He, he didn't want to give you that. I told him that's what I generally say every single weekly positivity. Two of the biggest issues in sports today have been replay reviews in basketball and the new stop and frisk in baseball. Here's what's interesting, though. The solutions for both of those might actually be one and the same, and I'll tell you what that is next on The Drive. We have developed a great program for you. Unbalanced and a little out of control. (laughs) You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. The Charlotte Hornets will be picking 11th in the NBA draft next month. Let's talk about it. I don't think they're in a position to pick for need yet. You're talking about guys who are mostly 18 and 19 years old, and you're projecting what they're going to be when they're 24 and 25. So when you're picking in the lottery, I always am of the belief, don't draft For need, draft just the best player available. Charlotte, of course, needs a center, but Kai Jones from Texas, Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky, they both could be reaches according to many of the big boards I've read thus far. My favorite part of the lottery last night, Robert, was Jay Billis being asked uh, to, to break down some of the top prospects, and he said, well, going through my big board, he's like, well, actually, it's just... Three names. It's a piece of paper in front of me here. I don't have a board. It's just a piece of paper. My favorite was the uh, delegate or the delegate for the Pelicans after they got Swin Cash. <laughs> she was having none oh, of that. Fantastic eye roll. Don't you love a world class eye roll? Sarah Bradford hates it when I roll my eyes at all, and she's really good at identifying it. Did you just roll your eyes? And I might even realize I rolled my eyes. A terrible habit. It. I got popped a lot for rolling my eyes. Oh, because I don't know how you bounce back from that when you roll your eyes. Sometimes I do that in front of people that are strangers. It's just, it's really easy to know what I'm thinking. That's what I've always learned. I'm an opinionated person. I'm going to let you know what I think. I might act like Swin Cash sometimes. So that's a really good uh, thing that you bring up. 
Charlotte, I think they're going to need to go the trade or free agency route to try and address the center spot. I don't think both Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo are going to be back. I think Miles Turner's a name that keeps on coming up. I think Charlotte can figure out a trade with him. I'd have to imagine maybe P.J. Washington's involved and you're getting draft picks back. I just hiccuped on the air. That's a first. You going to do another one? I hope not. I got water in front of me here. What are some ways you treat hiccups? Oh, here it is. It's not going to stop. Just like you jinxed Virginia, I'm going to jinx your hiccups, and you're going to have them. This is the the first time I've ever had the hiccups on the air. It's never happened before. I think... uh, Physiologically, maybe that's not the right word. Why hiccups happen is there's an absence of enough oxygen in your brain yeah, or I'm lungs. Just breathing. So take like a hefty breath in. All right, one second. Ah! Oh, whoa. Did I scare you? Y- a little bit. Okay, cool. You, you, that's <laughs> really also loud. how I get rid of hiccups. Also, I think you turned up the volume in my earphones, and that was a lot louder <laughs> than I expected it to be. So you scared me. The hiccups are probably gone now. But, uh,. <laughs> Oh, now I've got them. Shut up. <laughs> Just stop. I said that out loud in an empty room last night when Scott Foster was reviewing the out-of-bounds play in Phoenix. I said out loud in a dark, empty room, shut up. <laughs> I do that sometimes, too. You'll be watching a movie and somebody will get a little too gushy or something. Shut up. You're watching Marley and me. Shut up. End of that movie. Dog's Purpose, you just watched the trailer. You're listening to the song Christmas Shoes. Shut up! Oh, I want to buy these shoes. Shut up! Hey, that yeah. song would be a million times better if that Kurt clerk at the desk said that. <laughs> I'd like to buy these shoes. Well, you're gonna Shut need, up. You're going to need some money, kid. Yeah. Uh, Capitalism is a thing in this country. <laughs> They don't just Tice. give shoes away for free. <laughs> Daniel Tice is another free agent to, to keep an eye on, too. Uh, actually getting the players that Charlotte might want to take, it feels like to me one of these wings going to fall to a number 11, maybe multiple. Love Moses Moody. If you watched the NCAA tournament, you saw what he did at Arkansas. Uh, Book Knight, James Book Knight from UConn. I watch a lot of American basketball. I don't know why. AAC, American Conference, is what I'm saying here. Corey Kispert, you know him from Gonzaga. Franz Wagner, Michigan had an unbelievable year. You hope that one of those guys, maybe multiple, would be available for you there. Likely not Davion Mitchell, who's getting a lot of love, and rightfully so. Davion Mitchell has a tremendous nickname, Robert. Do you know what his nickname is from Baylor? I have no idea. Off night. Because anytime you go up against Davion Mitchell, you're having an off night. That's killer. It's a that great, absolutely, it's killer. a great nickname. He did his interview last night, and he had a basketball sitting in his lap. Dude just loves hoop. Baylor's the national champs. His nickname is Off Night. Great personality. If Davion Mitchell fell to eleven, which I don't think he is going to, that would be a dream scenario for Charlotte. Because they need defense. The second dream scenario might be Scotty Barnes being available there. And Scotty would be a great pick. Oh, he'd be a great fit. Oh, Josh, we've got forwards. We've got Miles and we've got Peach. This is a guy. You can't have too many guys like Scotty Barnes because there aren't a lot of guys like Scotty Barnes. 
He was maybe my favorite player in the ACC last year. Not a guy you love facing if you're rooting a, rooting for a team and you're going up against Florida State, but his personality, his long socks, his athleticism, his skill set, it was him and Moses Wright. Those are my ta- two favorite players to watch in ACC basketball last year. And then there's this Alperin Sangoon who's being talked about quite a bit. I'll say it again. Alperin Sangoon, who is a 19-year-old international, obviously, 6'9 big. This is how he was described on The Athletic. This is all about upside. Sangoon, he's an upside player. He won't turn 19. Oh, he's 18 right now. He won't turn 19 until next month. He's already proven himself in Turkey's Prime League. He could develop into a superb offensive player. Is worth the flyer here for a team that needs high-end center talent. Sounds like the Charlotte Hornets. So that's another guy to keep an eye on. Fun player that I'm reading about, and we have plenty of time to read in between now and the NBA draft next month. So the Hornets are picking 11. I learned this last night. This is Conan O'Brien's last week on television? See, I've always been fascinated by late-night television. I don't watch as much as I used to. I used to be a big Letterman fan. If it wasn't Letterman, sometimes I'd flip the Jimmy Kimmel. Not a big Fallon guy. Never really liked Jay Leno either. So those are the ones I was really into. But uh, And I'm not old enough to remember uh, Johnny Carson, unfortunately, that well. So Conan O'Brien. See... His career is interesting to me. I'm not going to say I feel bad for the guy because, goodness, last 10 years did quite a bit. Did quite a bit for TBS, made quite a bit. He got a lot from his uh, exit with NBC. He made a lot, and that was certainly top news at that time in 2010 or 11. Very strange career. It's almost, he almost feels underground. It's a very public job, Robert. You're on NBC. You're on TBS. But he almost felt underground for late-night TV hosts. Those who like Conan swear by Conan. Never really top build. Whenever people were talking about late-night hosts, I don't think Conan's name really is ever brought up among the Lettermans or the Jimmy Kimmels out there or the Johnny Carsons or the Jay Leno's. He's... But he is different. He is distinct than the other hosts. When you think about Conan O'Brien, what's the first thing that comes to mind? The hair. Redheads. He might be the most iconic American redhead. Is he American? Uh, I believe so, but I also think Sean White and Carrot Top would be up there too. No, the flying tomato. Nobody ever calls you when they see you have red hair. Even you have like a little quaff in your hair. Nobody's like, hey, Conan O'Brien. But I'm sure in college you heard, Ron hey, Howard? Sean Ro- no. Does he He's even from, have hair still? Uh, Conan's from Massachusetts. In sports, it's the Red Rifle. We're claiming Blake Griffin. Ryan Scalabrini, was he? Scal. Love me. Love me some Scalabrini. You know, George Washington was a redhead, too. Thomas Jefferson. Get out. No, a lot of the founding fathers are redheads. You know, when you're somebody who's of high stature, I've always noticed this. They don't call you a redhead. They don't call you redheaded. They call you, they say your hair's auburn colored. Or strawberry blonde. Well, strawberry blonde is a different Well, some color. people that are gingers try to get the strawberry See, blonde. I don't think I'm a ginger. I think I'm actually strawberry blonde because I don't, 
I think ginger requires you to be over-the-top pale with the freckles, and I don't have a lot of freckles, and I don't think I'm over-the-top pale. No, but you're a daywalker. Like, mm. you have, you don't have the other characteristics, but you're But that's, what, that's but also synonymous with, uh, with strawberry blonde. If you're strawberry blonde, odds are you're a daywalker, to use your terminology. I don't know, man. I feel like that's our word, and I wouldn't just let anybody use that. <laughs> uh, interesting career, Conan O'Brien. What's weird about it, I think Conan, if I had to guess who might be the best hang out of all the late night hosts, I'd probably say he's the one, probably the most relatable of all of them. Which is interesting because I think he went to Mass or went to uh, Harvard. He's like maybe super the smart, smart guy. like super, super smart. Super smart guy. All the reasons you wouldn't think he's relatable, but on television, he conveys relatability. He really does. So tomorrow night is the last TV show that he's going to do. After all these years, close to probably 30 years that he's been doing this. TBS tomorrow night, and then he's going to be on doing some project for HBO. For HBO Max, he's going to be doing something. So Conan O'Brien, his run on television is going to be finished as of tomorrow night. Among the things we're going to hit on in unusual questions, apes, the summer solstice, organs at baseball games, and whatever else you want us to get to, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. On Twitter at Josh Graham Radio and at WSJS Sports. Unusual questions are next on the drive.